Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiruh. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyati amalina. Man yahdihillah falamudillalah. Wa man yudlil falantajida lahu waliyan murshida. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah al-ahadul qahhar. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون. Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. We seek His help, His assistance, and guidance in all things. He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى guides, there is none that can misguide Him. And He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى leads astray, there is none that can guide Him except through the will and permission of Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashmi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah, fear Allah as He deserves to be feared, and do not die except in a state of Islam, do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahlil min lisani yafqahu qawli. Lesson 26 in our reading of advanced tafsir And today we are on the verse 13 in Surah Al-Baqarah Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ آمِنُوا كَمَا آمَنَ النَّاسُ قَالُوا أَنُؤْمِنُ كَمَا آمَنُ أنؤمن كما آمن السفهاء ألا إنهم هم السفهاء ولكن لا يعلمون And when it is said to them, believe as the people have believed, they say, should we believe as the foolish have believed? Unquestionably, indeed, they are the fools, but they know not. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he begins this verse by saying, وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ آمِنُوا And if it is said to them, believe. So who is them? Who is this verse addressing? So regarding who this verse is speaking to is upon two opinions, two different opinions. The first is that it is regarding the munafiqeen. The hypocrites. A continuation of the previous verses that we have taken. That this verse is regarding the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. And this is the major opinion based of the statement of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma and Muqatil and others. The second opinion is that this verse is regarding the Jews around an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Al-Madinah. And this is also based of another statement of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma that when it is said to them, believe just as the people have believed, like Abdullah ibn Salam and others, they replied, should we believe as the foolish have believed? They are ignorant, they are stupid. So the main understanding of this verse, according to the main scholars of tafsir, is that this is regarding who? The munafiqeen. However, it is still mentioned in those tafasir that it also could mean it also could be addressing it is also been mentioned also been said that this is regarding the jews around the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, who died in the year 671 after the Hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he says that this is a statement of the munafiqeen. This is a statement of the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. That they were saying privately with mockery. This wasn't a thing that they would go around saying. Yani when they were told to believe, they would go after that privately and say this to one another. Should we believe as the foolish have believed? So this wasn't a public statement that they would make. He continues, Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, and he says, So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposed them to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He exposed what they were upon to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he exposed them to all of the believers regarding what they would say in private. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordained that stupidity, foolishness, corrupted views are from their characteristics. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse is basically planting one set of characteristics upon them that they are stupid, foolish, and they have corrupted views. And this is their makeup, the makeup of the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. They said, Should we believe as the foolish have believed? Who are they describing as foolish? Who are they describing, these munafiqeen? Who are they describing? Or who are the Jews describing? So, the first opinion that it is the Jews, we'll take that one because it's the minority opinion first, we'll take that. They said, that it was regarding the Jews who converted to Islam. Should we believe as the foolish have believed, yani the Jews who embraced Islam, they're the foolish ones, they're saying. So, the scholars of tafsir, when they mention this, they usually have one person that they cite as the person that the Jews would refer to. And that was Abdullah ibn Salam, radiallahu anhu. They say, should we believe as the ignorant, the foolish believe like Abdullah ibn Salam and those with him? So who's Abdullah ibn Salam? Why is he important to be mentioned here? Why do the scholars of tafsir mention this specific person as who the Jews were referring to as should we believe like the foolish Abdullah ibn Salam believed? Now, Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu anhu was the most famous of the Jews. The most famous of the Jews who was residing in Al-Madinah who embraced Islam. Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu an was the most famous Jew who embraced Islam in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it is mentioned that he is from the lineage of Yusuf alayhi salam. He is from that progeny, noble heritage, a bloodline to a Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right? To a Prophet alayhi salam. Now, what is specific about him is not just his noble lineage, is that he was the greatest scholar of the Jews at the time. He was the greatest scholar of the Jews. Who? Abdullah ibn Salam. Radiallahu anhu. Now, he embraced Islam as a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam entered Al-Madina. And this is found in Sunan Tirmidhi, where he says that, when I heard of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I recognized his attributes, name, and the time that he would appear, which all coincided with what we have in our books. But all that we had in the Torah, everything coincided. The name of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the time that 
he would come in and the characteristics of the Prophet and the story that was going on at that time. So when he heard that the Messenger of Allah entered Al Madinah, a man informed him of this whilst Abdullah ibn Salam was sitting on top of a tree. He actually had a date tree that he was on top of, and he was on top of the tree when someone said, Muhammad has now entered Al Madinah. And when he heard this, he started to say, Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. Now, his aunt who was with him, she said, by Allah, if Musa alayhi salam entered, you would not have said this. Like you're being a heretic, you're not following the way of Musa alayhi salam. You have some sort of problem now. That if Musa, your prophet, the one who you follow, if he was supposed to come here, you wouldn't say this. You wouldn't have been as enthusiastic. So he replied to her, O oh, auntie, by Allah, he is the brother of Musa alayhi salam who has been sent to us. So she asked, is he the messenger that we were informed would appear in this time? And he replied, yes. So they embraced Islam. Before even meeting a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, no immediate da'wah was made. Just the fact that they had the knowledge that this was a person, he was coming, and he was what is mentioned in our books, sam'an wa ta'a, we listen and obey. This is what's going to happen. So then, no direct contact with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam still, he goes back to his home and then gives them da'wah, the people in his household. And they embrace Islam, the entire household of Abdullah ibn Salam. Then after that, he went out to see An-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari. And when he went out to see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he looked upon him and he said, I know that this face is not a face of a liar. I know, just looking at him, salawatullah wa salamu he is not and he doesn't have a face of a kathib, of a liar. And then he says that he came to the Prophet wasallam and he embraced Islam. Then he said to the Prophet wasallam, he said the Jews that are from here, from Yathrib, from Al-Madinah, they know me and they know me to be their chief. He was the leader of their tribe, he was the leader of their organization, he was the leader of all of the Jews that were there. And he says that they know that I am the son of their chief. Even his father was in a point of charge. Yani he was in charge of them. He was in a point of control. They recognized him as this. And he says, And I am to them the most knowledgeable, the son of the most knowledgeable to them. And this is something that they agree upon. So send for the Jews. Send for them. Call to, call to them now. And... Call to them before they know that I have become a Muslim and ask them about me. This was his way at trying to get the Jews of Al-Madinah to embrace Islam. And to also allow an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam to see the reality of the people that he's going to deal with. He's almost warning him, he's setting him up here. He's saying, call them before they know I'm a Muslim. Bring them here and just ask about me. This is what I am to them, I'm telling you. You can ask this. Fact check me and then see what happens. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he called them and they came inside and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he made his da'wah to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to embrace Islam and that they know that he is a messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they replied, we do not know that you are the messenger of Allah. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam repeated it three times and they repeated their statement that we don't know that you're the messenger of Allah three times. Then 
The Prophet wasallam he asked the Jews that came, he said, what sort of a man is Ibn Salam from amongst you? And it has been mentioned that his first name was Hussein and the Nabi wasallam changed it to Abdullah. But he mentioned the hadith over here in, in, in Bukhari, it says, what type of man is Ibn Salam to you? What's he like? What's his position? Then they said, he is our chief, the son of our chief, the most learned man amongst us. The son of the most learned man amongst us. So now they, exactly as Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they affirmed his position. So then, an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he repeated this three times. What type of man is ibn Salam from amongst you? And they repeated it three times. So then, he said, what would you do if he would embrace Islam? They said, Allah forbid, he cannot embrace Islam. Allah forbid, no, it's not possible. He can't become a Muslim. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he repeated this three times. And they repeated their answer. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he called out to Abdullah ibn Salam, and he came out. And he did, and as he came out, he said, O Jews, fear Allah. Fear Allah, that there is none who deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone. And you know for certain that he is the messenger of Allah. I testify in front of them. Now he's making a shahada in front of them. I testify that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger. They said he is the worst of us, the son of the worst of us. He has no knowledge. He is not of our kin. Just run amok on him. Right? As soon as he embraced Islam, he is the worst of us. The son of the worst of us. Subhanallah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam ordered them to leave. And it is mentioned that he said, this is what I feared, that they would not embrace Islam. But from this, we see the reality of who An-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was going to deal with. This was initially as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam entered al Madina. So this is like one of the first interactions he's having with the Jews. And straight off the thing, يعني, you see, straight off, you just know that these people are going to be sa'abin, they're going to be hard, they're going to be difficult. But خلاص, قدر الله ما شاء فعل. So, Abdullah ibn Salam, to them, now was the peak of what? Stupidity. The peak of foolishness. So, this is who they were referring to. When the Jews were saying, should we believe like the ignorant, the foolish? They meant Abdullah ibn Salam and those who followed his way. As for the main opinion that this is regarding the Munafiqeen, then who is it referring to? Ibn al Jawzi, rahimahullah, who died in the year 597 after the Hijrah of the Prophet, وسلم, he says that this is split into two categories, two opinions. The first opinion is that it was regarding all of the companions of the Prophet. That was regarding the Munafiqeen when they said, Should we believe as the foolish have believed? Ibn al Jawzi rahimahullah says that this is in two opinions. The first opinion is that it was all Ashab al Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, all the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that it was not specific to any one man or any person in particular. The second opinion was that it was specific to certain individuals like Sa'd ibn Mu'adh, Abu Lubaba, and Usaid, as mentioned by Ibn al Jawzi rahimahullah. Now, why was Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu anhu, why was he yani, pointed out specifically? What's with Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh? Why do they say? Because yani, in the tafsir, they don't give any context. They say that the munafiqeen, 
they were blaming these certain individuals like Sa'd bin Mu'ad, like Usaid. Why? And Abu Lubaba. Why these specific people? So Sa'd ibn Mu'ad, why him? Because he was the chief of the Aus tribe. So you had Al-Aus and Al-Khazraj, the two tribes in Medina. Sa'd ibn Mu'ad was the leader of Al-Aus, the main tribe of Al-Medina, one of the two main tribes of Al-Medina. And subhanAllah, when he embraced Islam, he simply said to his people, it is not permissible for me to talk to any man or any woman amongst you until you embrace Islam. <laughs> I'm not going to even talk to you. You embrace Islam, we talk. And subhanAllah, through his da'wah, all of them embrace Islam. All of Al-Aws. So, instrumental to the da'wah of Islam in Al-Madina. Aisha radiallahu anha, she actually mentions and she says that there are three from uh, Bani Abdul Ashhal, uh, and no one from this tribe is better than these three. Three people from this sub-tribe, right, that were in Al-Aws. Who were they? Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, Usaid ibn Hudayr, and Abbad ibn Bishr. Three people. Three people. And two of them were mentioned by the scholars of tafsir that this is who the munafiqeen specified as these are the people who are foolish and ignorant. So the second person that they mentioned was Abu Lubaba. Abu Lubaba, the scholars of tafsir, when they said that the munafiqeen were pointing at certain people, the second of the, th the three that is mentioned generally in tafsir is Abu Lubaba. And he was of the people who pledged their allegiance in Al-Aqaba, which led the framework for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam coming to Al-Madinah. So over here, instrumental individual, right? Coming with the select few to Mecca to visit Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and saying, Oh Messenger of Allah, come to Al-Madinah, we have you protected. So he was instrumental in this. He was part of those people. Now, subhanAllah, uh, Usaid uh, bin Hadr, as mentioned in uh, the narration of Aisha radiallahu anha, she he was also instrumental to the da'wah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he witnessed some of the battles with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he was of the great companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But let's, يعني, uh, we'll continue on inshallah, that's a different time. Now, as for the word, as-safah. أَنُؤْمِنُ كَمَا آمَنَ السُّفَهَاءِ If we break it down, it comes back to as-safah. Which is what they regarded, either the Jews or the Munafiqeen, that's what they regarded the Muslims to believe, to be as, right? As this specific word, sufaha, which we يعني, translate as foolish, ignorant. But this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes them as. So it's important to know what this means. Safa. In the Arabic language, it stems from meanings of weakness, as mentioned by Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, and he says that it is the opposite of wisdom. As-Safa is the opposite of wisdom. So, if we look closer, Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah, who died in the year 310 after the Hijrah of the Prophet wasallam, he says that it means the ignorant one, the one who has little understanding of that which benefits him, that which harms him. He has little knowledge of that which benefits or that which harms. And he says, what the munafiqeen, subhanallah, the hypocrites were upon was the highest form of foolishness and stupidity. And this is described by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them. He says why they are, this, they are seen as the highest point of foolishness and stupidity. He says because, who's he? Who are we talking about? 
Imam Tabari rahimahullah. He says because a foolish person actually corrupts that which he thinks is rectification. Yani he's actually corrupting, but he thinks in his mind it's al-islah. Right? He thinks he's doing something good, but he's actually corrupting the earth. And he's heedless in that which he thinks he protects and he, observe, and he upholds. And this is the way of the munafiqeen. They disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that which they deem to be worship. And they disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that they deem to be belief. So whatever they do, they're doing the opposite of it. Whatever they think, they're doing the opposite of it. Their actions tell a different tale. They bring harm upon themselves by that which they think is bringing goodness upon themselves. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, أَلَا إِنَّهُمْ هُمُ السُّفَهَاءُ Indeed, unquestionably, they are the ones who are foolish and ignorant, but they know not. They have no understanding. Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us that they are the foolish, but they do not know. And this is due to ar-rain. Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, the covering that is placed upon their hearts. Now ar-ran, my brothers and sisters, is the darkness that comes upon a heart from continuous sin. Ar-ran, a covering that is placed upon the heart, it, is, it comes upon the heart not for any reason. It comes upon the heart through continuous sin. And that is what covers a heart, and that is the worst type of covering that can come upon a heart because it seals the heart completely. Nothing can penetrate it now. And when someone indulges in sin to a, a vast degree and يعني, continuously is upon it and doesn't make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his heart can be completely sealed. And even then when he is told to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it makes no effect. Why? Because nothing can go in because his heart is completely covered. Nothing. إِلَّا مَنْ اللَّهِ Except whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows that when someone can go to that level, if he makes tawbah, then he can start removing the layers of darkness from his heart. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, who died in the year 774 after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says that this shows the complete nature of their ignorance. This verse shows the complete nature of the ignorance of the munafiqeen. That they don't know their ignorance in regards to their misguidance. They have no perception of their misguidance. They have no clue how misguided they are. This is يعني, the point where it shows how bad their state was. My brothers and sisters, we as people are ignorant of many things. Okay? It's, it's natural to be ignorant. يعني, you don't have knowledge of certain things. It's completely normal. Right? But the worst form of ignorance, the worst possible place that you could be, is thinking that you're not ignorant, when really you're ignorant. This is the worst thing that can happen to you. And this is a form of pride and arrogance. It stems from this idea that you're not ignorant, you actually know something, right? This stems from pride and arrogance. Now, where someone thinks they know an issue, but in reality they have no clue, no clue about what they're talking about, we have to come back now to the question of how do you know something? 
When can you say, okay, you know what? I've got this down pat. I actually know what I'm talking about now. When does that come? When do you say with certainty, I'm not ignorant? Right? That, that would be the obvious question. Okay, if I'm, okay, if I know I'm ignorant, right? Then when do I say, okay, I know something? So the borderline would come back to, the foundation that you need to come back to is you know the dalil regarding every point of view that you have. You have the dalil. Whether it's a hadith, whether it's an ayah from the Quran, whether it's one of the statements of the salaf, whether it's someone who is upon the way of the salaf from the scholars who came after, everything that you say, everything that you do, every action that you perform, you have dalil. You have evidence. But do you know something that's still ignorance, my brothers and sisters, is to have the arrogance to think that you have covered every form of understanding of every argument without doing any research or research that's not really substantial. So, I'm going to give you an example of this. Okay? Everyone with me? Everyone with me? Don't focus on the door. It's the door, it's opening. When you hear of something, an opposing view when you're in an argument with someone, right? or an opposing hadith, or a statement of the salaf, and you say, and watch my face, right? Watch my face. It's not just a statement. It's not just a statement. It's the face, right? I haven't seen that. I haven't, I haven't come across that. I haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't seen it. No. You see what I just did, right? It's dismissive, but it's like, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, right? I haven't heard of that. Who are you? Who are you? Wallah, who are you? Who do you think you are? Yani, if you're not a student of knowledge, it's not even befitting for you to even say this. Because yani, it's showing some sort of arrogance that your research, mashallah alayk, is so solid. It's so well versed, right? That you haven't come across this in your vast amount of research. I haven't heard that. Right? That you haven't come across this in your massive amount of two-minute shorts, YouTubes, yani these little clips that you watch, and on a mas'ala, and khalas, you're on this YouTube thing, and that's your dalil for the day. You know what I mean? 30-second video, a short on YouTube. That's all the dalil you have. So, your YouTube clip as your base, or whatever shallow knowledge that you have, your first priority, my brothers and sisters, is to find truth. Whenever you're engaging in any, with any person, especially the brothers of Sunnah, we're going to get to Ahl Bid'ah later, but whenever you're yani, going through the, with the brothers of Sunnah, any mas'ala, any issue, fiqh, or regardless, whatever it is, your understanding of this is not to put it on that person or that person to put it on you. Your understanding of this entire conversation is, I want to find truth. I want to find understanding. I want to follow the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam properly, perfectly. That's what I want to do. So, subhanallah, the first thing you ask is, where's this hadith? Where is it? Just ask a question. Where's this hadith? Is this hadith authentic? What did the scholars say about this hadith? Not in a way to debunk his argument, to see, does he have any actual substance to his argument? 
if he's saying, for instance, let's just say, you are on يعني, the mas'ala of يعني, wearing a khuf, right? Leather socks. Or the mas'ala of wearing normal socks. Can you do masah above it? Can you wipe over just normal socks, al-jawrab? Right? Can you wipe over it? Now, let's just say, for argument's sake, for argument's sake, you say that you cannot do masah, you can't do wiping over your socks, unless it's a leather sock. Any other sock, you can't do. So when someone tells you that Ibn Rushd, from the great Maliki scholars, has compiled يعني, the list and says that over 70 companions of the Prophet did al-masah, wiping over al-jawrab, over normal socks that just covered the ankles. Opposing view to you, right? The first thing that you say, that you're not supposed to say actually, let's do that first. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen that. I haven't come across that. And you just say, khalas, you're on your own, you know what I mean? No, no one can, ha- how dare anyone think anything other than you? How dare anyone have any other view than you? How dare anyone have a dalil other than you? So, what you ask is, where is this from? What has he based it off? Where are the athal? MashaAllah, this is good. Now you've learnt something. So it's not just to dismiss anything that you haven't heard. So, this subhanAllah, whether it's a hadith that someone comes to you, like dalil, or if it's يعني, a view presented by someone, you ask, where is this found? What is it based off? يعني, is, it, is there any dalil to this? What have the scholars mentioned about it? Or you say, يعني, Jazakallah khair, I'm going to ask my shaykh about this, about this issue. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, kuntum la If you don't know, ask, you, ask the people of knowledge. So you take this, you say, Jazakallah khair, respectfully, actually, truthfully, يعني, hoping for, for truth, right? Not Jazakallah khair. <laughs> It's all in the face as well. Jazakallah khair. Oh, thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. Do you know what I mean? Just wiping him clear. Right? That's the point that I'm trying to get to. Right? Everyone understand what I'm saying? Okay, good. Now, never, never, don't ever do this. Never reject a hadith or a point of view that you have not researched or you haven't got directly from your shaykh just because it goes against what you do or what you were brought up as. Right? So for instance, if someone says to you, hypothetically speaking, Nunqab is wajib. Just because your mother or your sister or your wife, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all of your families, Ya Rabb, just because they wear the hijab, don't just be like, no. Without any knowledge, without any knowledge, I'm not saying that this is the correct view or not. I'm saying you as a person, don't just reject it. This is يعني, Islamic tarbiyah that we have to come back to. You don't just reject something, that's not because you, you, you're not upon it. You're not the يعني, measuring stick. The Qur'an and the Sunnah is the measuring stick. You're a nobody. That's all it is. Now, this is regarding the matters of fiqh, specifically. As for the matters of aqidah, when someone comes to you, the baseline is, is what we mentioned a few weeks ago. You are not meant to be listening to them. You're not meant to be discussing these issues with them. You're not meant to be talking to them. You're not meant to be around them. You, if someone comes to you, right? Someone begins with you and says, Allah is everywhere. Walk away. Don't engage. Walk away. That's it. That's all you have to do. If someone says it and you want to say something, you say, 
Ar-Rahman ala al-Arsh istawa, Allah rose above his throne, and then you walk away. <laughs> right? If someone says to you that you cannot affirm a place to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you say, again, Allah is above his throne, as mentioned in the Quran, do not engage and walk away. If he says this scholar, and that scholar, and all of these things that he brings, you are not a student of knowledge. You're not a student of knowledge. Right? Or even if you're a student of knowledge who's at a basic level in their talab, in their studies, if you have not been given express permission, exclusive permission by your mashayikh to discuss and engage with these people, don't do it. Because it takes one shubha, one doubt to be planted in your heart that can ruin, ruin your entire deen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. Now, my brothers and sisters, we have to bring back these certain adab, certain just basic etiquettes when dealing with knowledge. And remember, my brothers and sisters, is that knowledge is like a muscle. Knowledge itself is like a muscle. To attain it, you have to do that which requires yani, certain type of etiquette in gaining muscle. You can't just go to the gym and just rock up. And do whatever you want. You want to train your arms, so then you go on a treadmill for six hours. And it just won't work, right? I don't go to gyms. So I don't know any gym references. Okay. So now, <laughs> you like that one, huh? That, was that a swipe at me, or what was, what was that, bro? Just, you laughed at nothing but that one today. Yeah, <laughs> I this is a science. Studying is a science, and there's etiquettes that need to be followed, and there's ways that you have to do everything. If there's a tutorial on how to start your business. And if there's a tutorial on how to lose weight, and if there's a tutorial on how to even dress, right? If you go on YouTube and try how to wear, yeah, what's, what's the term, what is it? I don't know what that is, but khalas. <laughs> but subhanallah, you, there's a tutorial for all of these things. You search them up. They have got literally ways on how you're supposed to tuck in your shirt. Formal shirts, yani you don't tuck it in a certain way, you tuck how you're supposed to dress. This religion is the most important thing that you have in your life. And you think you can study exactly how you want from anywhere, from any place, from any position, and just engage in anything that you want. This religion yani has sciences, it has etiquettes. And there's a way to study, and there's a way to deal with people who you disagree with. And when you disagree with someone, just because he has an opposing matter, yani wherever it is, in opinion in fiqh, it doesn't mean that this person is a kafir. Or it doesn't mean he's يعني, a nobody, or it means he doesn't mean he's not knowledgeable. Subhanallah, some things that someone else could have might be the correct opinion, and you have to have this respect and this adab. And this is something that يعني, we want to end it off with, inshallah, today. Next week we continue with uh, the next verse, Bidnillahi tabaraka wa ta'ala, barakallahu fikum, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio. The voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.